Welcome to the Fully Restored Podcast. Christians often struggle to talk about areas of deep hurt like trauma or abuse, shame or betrayal. These are deep soul wounds. Friend, Christ came to not only heal us from our sin, but from our soul wounds as well. My name is Kristen Klaus and I'm a licensed professional counselor and author. And my guest and I are here to walk with you on your healing journey. We see you and hear you. Friend, if you hang with me, apply these truths to your life, you will be on your own path to a fully restored story. Grab your coffee, tea, or favorite drink, and let's get started. Hi friend, Kristen Klaus here. I have a powerful new course that is launching October 25th. This course is for women who are looking for healing from all types of abuse. Fully Restored from Abuse is a 12-week online course filled with so much information and goodness where we will dig into the root of the hurt and pain from abuse in a Christ-centered way. As a licensed professional clinical counselor, trauma coach, and one who has been healed herself from abuse, your life will be transformed from this course. If you are saying to yourself, I'm ready to be healed, I know there are soul wounds in my life from past abuse, I know I wasn't just hurt physically, but emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. If you are saying, yes, it's time, Kristen. I want to be healed. I want my life to be fully restored. Then go ahead, friend, and click the link found in the show notes for this episode. Now back to our show. Hi, everyone. This is Kristen Klaus, and you're listening to the Fully Restored Podcast. Today, I'm joined by my guest, Eva Burkholder, as part of our December Advent series. Eva and I are discussing Advent from Mary, the mother of Christ's perspective, and I am so excited to hear what Eva has to share with us today. She has a book on Advent, Favored, Blessed, Pierced, and that is our inspiration for our interview today. Welcome, Eva, to the Fully Restored podcast. Thank you, Kristen. I'm so excited to be here. It is an honor to have you here with us. So Eva, could you tell us just a little bit about yourself, the work you do and your family? Okay. I live in Richardson, Texas with my husband. We've been married for 33 years. I have two grown sons who I'm so grateful live nearby. One is married. And so now I have a lovely daughter-in-law. I serve with my husband in a mission agency that prepares and sends cross-cultural workers to plant churches in areas of the world that have very little access to the gospel. My job, my part in that task is to help make sure that our members have good resources to thrive spiritually and emotionally, even physically, uh, to practice good soul care. I am a missionary kid myself. I grew up in Papua New Guinea, and then my husband and I served in Indonesia for 12 years. I'm also a blogger and author, and I love to do crafts, specifically macrame. Well, wonderful. And thank you so much for the work that you're doing and working with missionaries. Their soul care is just so important. I have many friends that are missionaries and have worked with missionaries because I'm also a licensed counselor. So I'm so grateful for what you're doing because that is a huge need. It really is, Kristen. Yeah. So Eva, let's just jump right in. As part of our Advent series, and as an author of the book, Favored, Blessed, Pierce, that we mentioned in the introduction, could you share with us on what Advent means to you? What led you to write your book? Sure. Advent, obviously, is celebrating the birth of Jesus. And because I grew up in the tropics, we didn't have snow and 
cold temperatures and things like that. So it looked a little different for us. Um, but my tradition didn't experience or have Advent as a, as a month-long celebration, candle lightings and things like that. I wasn't introduced to that until I was an adult. And so I've tried to be more intentional about making the whole season uh, more of a celebration, more of a reflection on Christ and his birth. Five years ago, I was asked to speak at a women's Christmas event. And so I decided to talk about Mary, to take a fresh look at her. And as I started studying, I just, I just couldn't stop. After the event, I, I kept going probably for about another six months, writing blog after blog on her life. I just took every passage of scripture I could find on her and found out that she's the fourth most mentioned character in the New Testament. And she's in referenced in six books. That's a lot on her. And I found that my faith tradition really didn't give Mary, I think, the attention that she deserves. We just get a little of her at Christmas and a little bit at Easter, and we, we don't realize there's so much in between. And so I had friends that encouraged me to put the blogs into a book as a way to tell Mary's story to a, a wider audience, especially to people like me from my faith tradition. So I put it in a devotional format because that's partly my teaching style. I want readers to glean their own takeaways, not just take mine. And I have a leader's guide in it so that it can be used as a short four-week Bible study as well, or really just as a personal Advent study. I absolutely love that. And isn't that how God is with us that we start on one thing, maybe it's a, a teaching for a conference or, or you know, a one-day event or something that we're doing, and then we can't let go of it. Like he just continues to speak to us. And we are so grateful that you listen to that and continue to dig into it because we get blessed with your book so that we can grow and glean and learn from you as well. And I love that you did it in a, de a devotional format because I, I agree with you, you know, to be able to do um, that self-introspective aspect of that is is really valuable. Mm -hmm. So could you share with us what favored means as some may not know what this word actually means? And what does it mean that Mary was called favored? And does that put her in a special category? Yeah. Before I did this deep dive into Mary's life, I would have probably told you that God favored Mary because she was this incredible person of faith and goodness and worthy of this, this high calling. And I discovered actually that the word favored in Greek means grace. It is the word charis. It's the unmerited favor of a good and sovereign God that we all get through salvation. When I put that in perspective, it made me see that Mary wasn't chosen because she was special. In fact, she was an ordinary girl with no real education or, or skills that we know of. And to see that she was chosen by grace, solely by grace, that encouraged me because it showed me that any of us can be chosen for special tasks. Now, of course, Mary's task was very unique. And I do believe that she had some qualities that helped her be the one that God would have chosen. But we all have special qualities that God puts in us that he uses when he calls us to certain tasks. And so favor is grace. And we all get it if we are God's child. I love that. I'm still, I, I wrote that down, chosen by grace. And I just think of how often we think we're not worthy, we're not good enough. 
But the truth is we're all chosen by grace and God has a call and a purpose for each of our lives. Like we weren't created just to be. Yes, we were created to be and have a relationship with God, but God has a plan and a purpose for each of our lives. So that chosen by grace, I I just fit that with, for I know the plans that I have for you, Jeremiah 29, 11, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, and that God has plans for us and that we're chosen by grace. And whatever that is, and then going back to thinking he equips the chosen, it's not that we are selected or God calls us. It's not that he calls us because we have these high gifts, but he equips the called. He equips us for the call that he has in our life. And too often we're waiting to have the equipment before we step into the call. And Mary was, like you said, a young girl. Mm -hmm. And she answered the call. That's a really beautiful part about her story is just how quickly and unreservedly she answered that call. That was another really rich part of the study was her answer, let it be to me. And it's an, it's an absolute willingness. There's a concept of willingness in that verb. It's a bring it on, just absolutely yes, without any hesitation. And that just really challenged me because I, I want to have a whole list of qualifications before I say yes. I want to know all the facts. <laughs> and uh, she just didn't. She just said yes. Really beautiful. Yeah, because we think, you know, opportunities come before us and we're like, oh, I can't do that. I'm not qualified. And she didn't say, oh, no, I can't do that. I'm not qualified. She responded and said, yes. She said, yes. And that's what God's looking for is just for us to say yes. Wow. So, okay, so we've talked about Mary and being favored. And in your book, you tell us that blessed doesn't mean what we typically think it does. So could you share with us on what it means to be blessed? Yeah, this one was really a fun study, too, because there are two different Greek words in the New Testament translated as, as blessed or blessing. And one of them is the uh, spiritual blessings that we hear about in the first chapter of Ephesians. That means to speak well of. It's where we get the word eulogy, to give someone a eulogy. And when, when we bless God, we're saying all these beautiful things about him. But the one that we see in Luke uh, 145, Elizabeth, her cousin says to Mary, and blessed is she who believed that what was spoken to her would be fulfilled. And Mary herself says, now all the generations will call me blessed. That word is actually another Greek word. It's makarios, and it means happy or well off. And it's the same words that's used in the Beatitudes. So when it's, you know, happy are the poor in spirit, it just, and none, neither, neither of these two words refer to any material or physical benefits or physical things. And that's good news to me, I think, because if we equate material benefits with God's favor or his blessing, then we're communicating to those who don't have those things that they are not blessed. And it's not true. And so from Mary's life, I saw three things that really defined blessing. First of all, that she believed. So we're blessed when we believe. And then another, we're blessed when we obey. And Jesus says, uh, there's another story in Luke 11, where there's this fan in the club that yells out to him, you know, blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. And that's Makarios again, happy is she. And he says, no, no, the blessed one is the one who hears the word of God and obeys it. And we see Mary's obedience in her response that we just talked about. I looked at 
what it was like to be blessed by the standards of her day. Only 100% Jew, healthy, wealthy, law-abiding men were considered blessed. And Mary was none of those things. But Jesus came along and he turned that upside down and he said, no, anybody who's in my kingdom is blessed. And I invite women and the sick and the poor and people who are broken and outcast and refugees. And I invite them all into my kingdom and he calls all of them blessed. And so Mary herself had to be invited into this kingdom, the kingdom of her son, which is, you know, a little strange when you think about it, but she had to accept that invitation herself and become a disciple of Jesus. And she did that. And we see that she did that because there's a verse in Acts 1 where when the church is being birthed, Mary is mentioned as being present there. And so, yeah, I've totally changed the way I use the word blessed now. I don't say I'm blessed when I'm referring to material things. I say I'm grateful because I want to reserve the word blessing for those things that I get because I am in God's kingdom and I'm a child of God. And, you know, I wonder, as you're saying all this, I'm thinking, I wonder when it changed because we are, our society today is very different than a hundred years ago, 200 years ago, 2000 years ago, for sure. But the focus is so much on material things, at least in our nation and some other nations, not all nations, right? There would be some nations that they would agree that blessed is more that happy and what was it you said happy and well off but that is so that is so good is that god is saying to us that you're going to be happy and well off and it's not about the possessions you have but it's about the joy in life and what a great great way of looking at it that's how god intended it to be yes yes even just this week, I learned something new, which was really cool how it worked in with this. But one of the ways that scripture translates even the word thankful or, or grateful has chorus in it, grace again. Mm. So that concept yeah. that even what we own materially that we are grateful for is also by grace. That is really good. I'm writing this down because that is really good. That's, uh, that part's not in my book, but yeah, um, I just thought, wow, that's cool how that connection is in there as well, that even gratefulness is grace. It's all grace. It's all grace. Okay. So now we've talked about favored. We've talked about blessed. And in your book, you actually mention that Mary and Joseph were a blessed alliance. So what does that mean? Well, I can't take credit for that term. That comes from author and speaker, Carolyn Custis James. And she refers to the relationship in God's creation of of male and female as a blessed alliance that God created men and women to join forces together and serve him. She pointed out too, and I agree with her, that Mary and Joseph are just a beautiful example of this. Joseph, uh, the carpenter, the husband of Mary, does not get the credit that he deserves. This is a man who got behind his wife's calling and set aside his his carpentry business, and took someone that, according to his uh, culture, his shame, honor culture, he could have rejected and even had killed. And he takes her and um, provides that protection, so to speak, but she needed that in that day. And they work together to bring about the birth of Jesus and, and his ministry. I mean, not 
it's hard enough sometimes for men in our culture to take a backseat to the wife and their calling, but let alone in Joseph's culture. And I just really just thought that was a beautiful thing and wanted to make sure that I mentioned Joseph in my book as well. Yeah. And I like that how you discuss the shame and honor culture, because that was the day and that is and still in some countries. So we've talked about the favor and blessing on Mary's life. Your book is also includes one more word in your book title. Can you share with us some of the ways that Mary's soul was pierced? Yeah. When Simeon told Mary that a sword would pierce her soul, we know that he was most likely referring to the the eventual murder of Jesus, his death on the cross. And I personally have not experienced that pain, but I have a few friends who have, and and they tell me that it changes every cell in their body. It's a horrific soul piercing thing that Mary had to endure. I'm not wanting to take attention off of that, but I also found in the study that there were so many other ways that her soul was pierced. And you know, Kristen, as a counselor, that it's not helpful to compare our sufferings or to say that one was greater than another because it's what you're going through at the moment. And Mary, I saw, you know, there were other things like she risked being stoned for being pregnant before she was married, or she gave birth in less than ideal circumstances in an age when many women and babies died in childbirth. We don't often think about that. Now, obviously, there was the sovereign hand of God over this whole story, but that was the reality of the day. She was a refugee in a foreign country. She had to flee for her life to save her child. And then I often think, what would it have been like? She probably knew women in Bethlehem whose two-year-old sons died because Herod was chasing her son. And to know that and live with that. Then as her children grew, she lost her son for three whole days. I lost my son in an airport for 15 minutes, and that was bad enough, you know three days without any communication. And what else? Uh, Joseph died, we think. Um, Scholars think he died somewhere before Jesus started his ministry. She became a widow. Listening to all the horrible things that people said about your son as his reputation grew and people began to hate him. How hard is that on a mother? Her children didn't believe in Jesus at some point. So there was some contention in the family. I think many women can relate to that. There's just lots of ways that I think we can relate to her. And when Mary said, yes, I will accept this role that you're giving me, she said absolutely yes without any idea of what would come. And so it was really a rich study to look at all the different ways. And many of my readers have told me that they have were surprised too at how many ways they related to Mary's pain. That is really good. I'm just thinking that you're right. We often focus on Jesus throughout the story, rightly so, you know, however, we don't go into detail about the other characters, the other individuals that are part of this story. And Joseph and Mary both sacrificed a lot when they both had their encounters telling them that they were going to have the son of God and that they were to be the parents to the son of God that's coming in form of man on earth. What a weight that was and the responsibility of that. And then, you know, like you talked about the contention in the family. I think we can all relate to that of contention in families and refugee in a foreign land. That right there in a time 
where there are many that are refugees, whether they're here in the United States or they're in another country as a refugee. And we don't talk about that a lot in the church. And for them to have somebody in the Bible that they can relate to. Now, I know there's other people in the Bible that we could relate to and, and give their story as a refugee. But to have Mary and Joseph as an example, that is, that is really good. Yeah. But I know what it's like to live in a foreign country and have to, you know, we don't think she, did they know the language? What did they, how yeah. did they learn it? You know, where did they live? It just, there's just so much. If you practice a little bit of holy imagination and think what it might've been like for her. Yeah. Because if you're a missionary, you go, part of it is you go to language school. If you move to another country, like here in the United States, you can learn English as a second language and you can take classes. But back then, they didn't have that. So to think of all the things that they sacrificed out of obedience, of their response to the word that came to them. So Mary is known to ponder and treasure. What does that mean? And how can everybody practice that? You know, Kristen, I really think that this was what kept Mary through all of the hardship that she went through was this, I want to call it a spiritual discipline of, of pondering and treasuring. I found that there were three Greek words that were used in the verses that um, speak of this, and they can be summed up. I made my own little alliteration as remember, reflect, and retain. They all have some concept of that. The second most common command in scripture is to remember. And so this is what Mary's doing. She's remembering everything that's happening. And when you consider she didn't have ways to record it like we do, I just think she must have had an amazing memory. But she had to remember what exactly what the angel had said her and said to her and what the shepherds reported and what the wise men said. And she had to remember, you know, the dreams and promises. Because think, we only have the stories because Mary was able to tell them to the, the writers of the Gospels. And so how many times did she repeat them over and over again to herself so that she would remember exactly what was said? And then, you know, um, the reflecting is then you think, well, what does this mean? And how can it be? And how is it going to be fulfilled? And it doesn't look like it's being fulfilled. And so having to, what was it again that this angel said? And it's all of that reflection that she had to have done to make sense of it. And then the retaining is keeping it somewhere, almost like having a, a, a mental treasure box or a memory box of some sort, where you can go back to it in the future and say, what was that again? Oh, that's right. God said he would take away the sins of the world. He is the Messiah. To remind yourself of that when you need that, when life gets hard. Those are really good. I like the remember, reflect, and retain. So thinking about that, the pondering and the treasuring, could you share with us just two or three creative ways that we can practice to ponder and treasure ourselves? Yeah, collecting objects is helpful. I, I kind of wonder if, since Mary didn't have iPads and computers and pen and pencil, that she might have saved little keepsakes, maybe a piece of the swaddling cloth or an empty myrrh bottle or something that's a tangible reminder of an event that you need to remember. So any time that we can do that, where we can actually have a tangible remembrance of something, I think is helpful. 
I have, I, I do this through my writing. That's one way that I practice this because in the writing of something, I'm recording the events, I'm recording the lessons and the truths from scripture that I'm learning. And then I can reflect on it and wrestle with it and ponder it. And then I have a permanent record of it that I can always go back to, to retain it. That really works well for me. I think having even a physical treasure box of things where we collect our remembrances of important events or God's messages is of love to me. That's been a theme in my life, having to remember those. So writing them on cards or on bookmarks or collecting even uh, paintings or artwork or you know, beautifully calligraphy of a verse that's important to you, having ways that those things are visual, that you can bring them to your remembrance as often as you need them. Even notifications on our smartphones are helpful. You know, a pop-up message, you are loved by the Lord, or remember this, or I think we should tell the stories to our children of the things that God has done in the past as ways to remember and remind ourselves he is faithful. This is what he has promised. This is what is true. I think that's what Mary's doing. It's just any way that we can, we forget. We are creatures that forget. And we get into the next trial. And it's so easy to forget that God was good the last time. And so, you know, I just heard yesterday, the more we get to know God, the easier it becomes to trust him. And that's what this is. This is reminding ourselves over and over again that he's faithful, sovereign, and I can trust him. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, you write in a lot of journals I have for years, and I have them all over the place. It's like when I'm looking for something that's in a journal, it's like, okay, I go to five different places where I have them at. But I happened to find a journal that was from just over two years ago. So two years ago this summer, and it was before we moved. We moved from Washington State to Kentucky, and we were at the time looking for um, praying and seeking God for where we were to move because we knew we were to move. And I found a prayer I wrote. There was all kinds of stuff that were in that journal, but I found this prayer that I wrote. And it's been days since I read that prayer and I have gone back over and over and read it because it just still so resonates with me today, almost two and a half years later, these words speak life to me and have been an encouragement to me in this season. And that's treasuring and pondering those things that God has shared with us. And then going back and, you know, the the reflect and retain, but in that going back two, three years of just here is what God has said. And I've always encouraged people journal, you know, there's no right or wrong to it. Just journal. If some, if there is a message if there is a word that is spoken over your life, if somebody prays over you, whatever, like write it down because you're going to need that someday in the future and to go back and reflect on that. So I love all of your ideas and the visuals as well. That's, you know, absolutely those visuals. We see them again and again, and they remind us of God's faithfulness, and they're a marker, so to speak, of of a time of an encounter with God. Well, I appreciate those. So how can people connect with you and purchase your book? Um, My book is available on Amazon, but I have a website, and it's just simply evaburkholder.com. 
there's a page on that website, Favorite Bless Pierced, and it gives all the information about the book. I also have a sample chapter there that you can download or read and a 40-day reading plan if you would like to do this for Lent. Now, I know we're talking about Advent, but I also wrote extra pieces on my blog that can be woven in with the book for 40 days instead of the 21 in the book. On my uh, website, you can also sign up to have my blogs uh, delivered directly to your email as well. I'm on Instagram at Eva Burkholder and on Facebook at author Eva Burkholder. Well, in the last few moments that we have, could you pray for our listeners today as they are pondering all that you have spoken today about favored, about blessed, about pierced, about pondering and treasuring? There's just so many nuggets, gold nuggets that you have given us today. Could you pray for our listeners? I would love to do that, Kristen. Yes. Precious Father, we thank you so much for giving us Mary. Thank you for choosing her. And I know many of us look forward to someday that we're going to get to meet her and hear more of her story. Thank you for what you gave us in scripture. Sometimes we think that we could never be like her, but she was an ordinary girl and she responded with such openness and unreserved surrender to you. And that's what I pray for those that are listening that whatever it is that you're asking them to do today, that they could say, yes, yes, I will. I will do that. And that they can trust you to whatever that brings, even if they don't know, and they probably don't know all that's, that it will entail. Lord, I think of, of Mary's courage. We didn't talk about that today, but she really was very courageous. And we see that in her Magnificat. She was even willing to defy kingdoms. And uh, we don't think of that with her. We So I pray for courage for each of us to do that, which you're asking us to do, and to believe that you are going to fulfill those promises that you have made on our behalf. In this Advent season, I ask that it would be meaningful in a way that is is unique and just for each one that you are giving the messages and the comfort and the teaching and the encouragement that we all need during this season. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Eva, for joining us today. Our show notes and all the links shared with us today can be found at my website, fullyrestored.love. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you can stay up to date on all of our shows. And I would so appreciate it if you would leave a rating as well on whatever platform you're listening to us on. Those ratings make a difference. And I would greatly appreciate knowing what your thoughts are on this podcast today. I would love to stay connected with you and you can find me on Instagram and my Facebook page. Both of those are at author Kristen Klaus. I pray that this episode today of the Fully Restored podcast really ministered to you and opened your eyes that the words of this book, the favored, blessed and pierced, that those words would just speak life to us and that the Lord would Just bring a fresh revelation to each of us, a greater understanding of the Advent story, the birth of Jesus, that what took place before Jesus came. We focus so much on the life and ministry of Jesus and the death and resurrection, rightly so, but we can't forget about all that was involved before all of that took place. And so I I just want to encourage you to get this book. 
And remember, friends, that nothing or no one is beyond restoration with our Jesus.